This episode is brought to you by Menard Premium Detailing, the best auto detail company in Bucks County, where convenience meets luxury. They specialize in detailing luxury vehicles, but the limits are endless. Check them out on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and at MenardPremiumDetailing.com. This episode is also brought to you by Shamrock Sun. Fair-skinned folks like myself are used to getting burned, overpaying for big sunscreens, tiny tubes every other week. It adds up, and it's inconvenient. Well, now it's a thing of the past. Meet Shamrock Sun, your new big-ass bottle of sunscreen delivered by subscription. Check them out on Instagram and at shamrocksun.com. It's about that time. Let's go. Welcome back, everybody. We're up to episode 24 here on Thoughts from the Shade. It's it's one of our Kobe episodes, you could say. Um, but through the bye week, bye week blues on, on Sunday, no Eagles. Um, but we did get get a good look at Dallas and Washington, the competition for the East and for the wild card. Uh, as the Eagles come into the home, home stretch here, four games to go. We'll take a look at the ongoing coaching carousel in college football. Look forward to bowl season as it's oh so close. And we'll talk to the Flyers again a little bit here at the end. But first, let's say what's up to my partner in crime, Bomb. How what's are up, you? G? What's going on? Not a whole lot, man. You know, it's like you you uh you kinda I don't know how you felt this Sunday, but you kind of just hibernate for a for a Sunday and just, you know, lounge around on the couch. You know, really, really have no issue falling asleep during the games. But, you know, really, I, I couldn't ask for a better time of year to have the bye. You know, let's let's get these guys fresh. Let's go into the stretch run here, heading into the holidays. Let's make some noise. Yeah, I think this is the latest bye of all time, given the uh, the new 17-game schedule this year. I don't think anyone's ever had a bye maybe later than, than 12 or 13, but... For a team in the position that the Eagles are in, I, I, I agree. I think it's a, a great time for a bye. You got guys nicked up and beat up from the grind of the season. Let's get an extra week of prep. We got two huge games coming up against Washington. So let's get right and, and let's let's get to work. I mean, it's it's go time now for this team. Um, and, and I'm ready. Totally agree. And Washington didn't look great. Dallas didn't look great. But I look at the. I also look at the top of the NFC with with uh, with Green Bay winning that game against the Bears, and kind of starting to look ahead and say, all right, who's the one seed going to be? Because whoever the one seed is, that two that two slot is where uh, where a prospective seven seed Philadelphia Eagles may be going. So I think Washington's fraudulent. I think Heineke's a fraud. Uh, I'm tired of Ron Rivera's bullshit. He's a bum. Um, their defense was supposed to be so amazing. They stink. Their field's garbage. Jerry Jones is flying in new benches with his Cowboys logo right in the face of Dan Snyder at FedEx Field. You'll love to see it. You also hate to see it as an Eagles fan, but these teams stink. I think the Eagles, you know, going into next week, you know, Washington just played a divisional game against the Dallas Cowboys. Looked bad early on, fought back, emotional, heartbreaking. Now they got to go on the road. Into the link. The fans are going to be juiced. Team is going to be juiced. Let's go. Are you going on Sunday? I'll be there. Let's go. Yeah, it'll it'll be rocking down there for sure. But um, yeah, I was watching the, that game on Sunday, and and I'm just thinking to myself, like, man, Washington looks so bad, and it it just made me think, like, we're going to be all confident, and all fired up for this game, for for how bad they look. And Washington's going to come into the link and, and probably play a pretty solid game. Um, but I'm just looking, I'm looking right now and, and I'm, I'm really surprised actually, because I looked before Washington played on Sunday, the Eagles were a two and a half point favorite uh, for the game Sunday at the link. They're up to a five point favorite over the Washington football team on Sunday. So that's, that's a good sign as we're pulling for the birds here, but I think one of the things I noticed, and and you said it, it was like a lazy Sunday. You know, you don't have to be all stressed out to watch your team. Just kind of casual viewing. And we had the Dallas-Washington uh, game on Fox, 
here locally and and I was peeking at that I mean the first half was, was abysmal and Dallas got out to that big lead but I mean Dallas gave you the formula to to slow down that offense and it's something that Jonathan Gannon hasn't done this year at will which is bring pressure I mean bring five six guys you can't let Heineke stand back there and pick you apart because like you said he's not very good so let's bring the house Let, let's let's play let's man up and and make them make them beat us quick. I mean, the the only real weapon that they have on the outside is McLaurin. Um, what's his face? Uh, Logan Thomas, the big tight end, used to play quarterback for for Vatek. He's out for the year. Uh, he was a decent weapon, but like they don't have much. So let's load the box, stop Gibson, and let's bring pressure. And and, and you know the fans will will be fired up. And, and help help that energy, you know, with the blitz and everything like that. So that's that's what I want to see on Sunday. Yeah, I guess my biggest concern, you, you talk about pressure, you talk about, you know, the type of style that Heineke plays. He plays this kind of, not necessarily reckless style, but he's got kind of a little bit of a slasher in him. And uh, and when he's able to escape and make some, make some plays with his legs, you know, throwing on the run or, or getting outside and, and picking up some yardage, key first downs, you know, my, my head immediately goes to when will Derek Barnett take his cheap shot and cost his team 15 yards? Because I can already see it. Like Heineke's the kind of guy gets out on the perimeter and 96 with his 57 wristbands and his fucking brand new Oakley visor. I mean, he can't wait to get a cheap shot in. So I'd say that'll be one of the keys of the game. Can, can you get pressure on him and can you do it in a compliant way within the rules? Yeah, you talk about compliant ways in the in the rules, and you're talking about Barnett. I, I'm I'm thinking he's going to be in the backfield before the ball's even snapped, trying to get a lick at Heineke. With all all the offside penalties that you know everybody's familiar with, but and you brought up McLaren, right? He's the only he's really the only weapon they have. I'm interested to see what what your what your boy does. Big play Slay. I mean. Yeah, he's made some plays. Yeah, you know, the Trevor Simeons of the world have thrown him the football. He's walked in. He's picked up fumbles. He's done the whole thing. I mean, can he run with a guy who runs a 4-3? To be determined. But, I mean, we even talked about it last week with the Maniac and talking about the Jets game and how Minshew looked good and, and Sanders looked good and everybody looked good against the Jets. I mean, it, it was a got to have a game, but it was against the New York Jets after you just laid a, a complete egg against the New York Giants. Now here you are, six and seven, half game out of the wild card on your home turf in December, trying to make a push for the playoffs. Like now is the time to nut up and 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 play a game. You know, Goddard I know I got on him and maybe not rightfully so, but just talking about all these guys, Slay, everybody, like you you want to do do these celebrations and big play slay, the turnovers in the end zone pick six and the fumbles and those celebrations well give it to me now you know don't give it to me in october against the lions and and then we'll all forget come uh march when when we're talking about the draft and we didn't make the playoffs like now is the time for all these guys to deliver so i mean excited i didn't think we would we would have meaningful football in december uh you know if you would have asked me in august or, or early september but here we are so these these guys got to nut up Totally agree. And I'd say, so So let's just talk through their schedule here. You got Sunday the 19th, Washington at, at the Birds. You, you flip to the following Sunday the 26th, Giants at the Birds. You go to Sunday, January 2nd, day after New Year's Day, Eagles at Washington. And then they close on January 9th, uh, Cowboys at Eagles. I'd say the Eagles have to win their next three. And just see what happens, right? Because Washington's the team they're competing with for that seven spot. They hold most of the tiebreakers against all these other teams that are kind of on the bubble, aside from Minnesota because they didn't play them. I don't know. I don't know how it would shake out, but they beat the Falcons. They beat the Saints, right? And they beat Carolina, who's five and eight, sitting there as well. Yeah. So, so Eagles win. Let's say they win the next three. They win Sunday. They they beat the Giants. They beat they beat Washington again. That brings them to what, nine and seven? Nine and seven, staring down the barrel of the Dallas Cowboys at the link, week 18. If you got to have it, you know, 
you know, go out there and get the dub against some backups. I'd imagine seeding would be in play, but I don't know how you feel. I'd consider almost, I mean, if they can win these next three, that might do it. Like, like I, I'm not so sure that the Eagles should be, I'll put it this way. I'm not so sure that the Eagles should be looking to win all four if they clinch ahead of the last week. Like I'd consider sitting guys if they're able to win the next three. I mean, that that's completely insane. No, it's not because look at the matchups. If you assume Green Bay, let's let's assume Green Bay or Tampa gets the one seed. So then one of those teams is either going to be two or three, pending whatever the Cardinals do. I'm telling you, man, I think you got to do it, do whatever you can to make sure that your draw is out in the desert in Arizona. I do not want to go down to Tampa Bay and face Tom Brady. I don't want to go to Lambeau and face Aaron Rodgers. Like they're going to have to kind of figure out, you know, and it depends on the teams in front of them too, but if they win the next three and they're in like, you know, you need to figure out where, where your draw is going to be. Yeah. I understand that point. I just don't know if like throwing the Dallas game or like resting guys for the Dallas game could factor into that. I mean, you got Arizona at 10 and two and then green Bay and Tampa are both at 10 and three. Um, I mean, so so you would look for for maybe Tampa or Green Bay to overtake Arizona. Arizona's got the tough game coming up here Monday night shortly against the Rams. Uh, not totally sure what the rest of their schedule looks like, but they they haven't been playing as well as they were to start the year. Um, so I, I agree that that would be the draw that I would want should the Eagles get in. It's just a matter of how does it shake out at the top and and also with teams that the Eagles are in the running with. No, to- totally and. Uh... You know, the worst case scenario would be Arizona getting that by um, because that that would basically mean you take your pick. You're you're taking Rodgers or Brady. Yeah, just just call the uh, call the undertaker and write the death certificate for the season if that's the case. Yeah, so that, that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for maybe uh, one of those teams, Green Bay or Tampa to take the one seed Cardinals to be either two or three and. uh and that's what I, I would maneuver. I don't care, you know. I, and obviously you got to clinch. You got to you got to get in. But uh, but if if everything's wrapped up and it's just for seeding in weeks week uh, week eighteen, I'd be resting guys. I'd be you know. I'd, can we bring Sudfeld back? Bring him in. He can play. <laughs> yeah, don't play Minshew because according to you know half the Philadelphia fan base after the Jets game, he's uh he's Joe Montana. That's right. But. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I'm looking at the schedule. You got three out of four at home. I just don't see them beating Washington twice. Like, I know how bad Washington was on Sunday, but the the Eagles, to me, are just, like, not that good. I mean, like I said, they got to show it, but they're just they're not that good that they can just completely dominate the rest of this schedule and beat the same team twice in three weeks and the second time on the road, like, I really think I don't want to call Sunday like a must win, but but it essentially oh, it's a must is. win. Yeah, I mean it essentially is. Um, so I mean, yeah, but up to minus five. So I like that. I I I'd like that for the Eagles prospects on Sunday a lot better than I liked the two and a half that I saw Saturday. I think the Giants. That's obviously a must win no matter what happens Sunday, and I think that's a very winnable game at home against a team you lost to and laid a complete horseshit of an egg against have to have that bounce back there. Second one at Washington, that'll be tough. And then you don't know with what, what the Cowboys will be or where they'll be at. If they're playing for seeding, if they're not come week 18. So, I mean, I think three and one's doable and I, I think that would get you in. I'm not sure if you'd have to beat Washington twice would certainly help the cause. Um, ha- haven't done the math or, or the full breakdown, but I think they can do it. They can do it. Anything stand out to you from Sunday, from from the rest of the NFL? No, I mean not not really. I mean, um, I have a fraud alert. I want to I want to pass out. You know, you ever you ever get like the uh, can I the take text a guess? Message? Yeah, you could take a guess. I think you're. Are you gonna go Josh Allen or the Buffalo Bills or McDermott somewhere in that vicinity? Yeah, 
Yeah, I'm going to throw out a capital. This this fraud alert is brought to you by Capital One. Don't leave your house without the card. Um, I got a text. So you know you get the fraud alert, you know, on your phone. Oh, did you charge this to to this? Yes or no? Well, guess what? Bomb, yours truly. He charged a big money uh, bet a wager on the Buffalo Bills. And I was looking at my credit card service or Capital One, and I was thinking to myself, when is this fraud alert going to come through? Sean McDermott is a fucking fraud. And he sits there on the sideline with that stupid little face, that stupid little ginger beard of stubble that he has. And he just watches teams like just just beat the, beat the living piss out of them. I mean, that was pathetic. That was pathetic. He's got a linebacker on Perryman in overtime. What was that? Is that who scored the winner, Perryman? Because honestly, I I tuned out in the fourth quarter. I think it was, I want to say it was 27-10 or something like that. The Bucks were up, and I'd watched the, the 1 o'clock slate, and the Cowboys ran away. The Chiefs ran away from the Raiders, and then it's like 6.30 on Sunday. And I'm, you know, I'm trying to trying to relax, trying to settle down, settle the scaries. I drank a little bit too much Saturday night, so I was like, I need I need to just lay down and, and get away because I feel like every Sunday I turn turn that four o'clock game on, and if it's the Bucks, like they're just up by two scores, and it's never a doubt. And then sure as shit, I go lay down, and I'm I'm getting texts from downstairs. Hey, it's it's tied up. I'm like, what the hell's going on? Well, they make a furious comeback, and they go down the field, and Buffalo. Has it on? It was third and goal, and they they they've scored like all these touchdowns because it was it was it was a blowout early. I mean, Buffalo comes back. Allen played out of his mind with his with a with an ankle injury or a leg injury, and he's making all these kinds of plays. And they get down there with um, you know half a minute left, and uh, the play call on on third and goal from I guess about the five is a a back shoulder fade to uh to digs um which is which is a rocket coming from allen and like i just i hate that play call that like that's the play call to win the game is a back shoulder fade to like run that play on first down don't run it on on third and goal so then they trot out the kicker who nails a little 25 yarder the bucks kneel it buffalo wins the toss they don't score the, the punter for Buffalo booms a 65-yarder down to, like, the five. And then, you know, Tampa gets a first down or two, and then they hit they hit Perryman on a crosser with a linebacker in coverage. I mean, I thought this McDermott was supposed to be, like, a defensive genius. Last week, in 50-mile-an-hour in wins, he couldn't stop a fucking nosebleed with his run defense. I mean, you know what's coming. Toss, wham, sweep. Couldn't stop it. In overtime, he's got the linebacker out there. I guess he thought he needed to stop the run on uh, on uh, on a receiver. I mean, it reminded me of Levon Kirkland lumbering down the field after Joe Juravicious. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it's been a weird, tough year for the Bills. I mean, they, they definitely feel like a little a little fraudulent. You thought they were close last year and would be one of those teams to to contend for the AFC. I mean, it's pretty wide open this year. I mean, you got, you got the Pats and, and now the chiefs are, are back running the gun in as well, but I got a bone to pick myself, uh, as I was watching that game. So here's my bone to pick of the week brought to you by Shamrocks on, uh, obviously, you know, the 425 slot on Sunday, you got Jim Nance, you got Tony Romo and we talk about broadcast and commentary all the time, but I don't think we've ever gotten the Romo yet in the booth, but I mean, I don't know. He seems like a good guy, right? Like he's a golf guy. He's a bro, like cool guy, but like not the best commentator. He's got like diarrhea of the mouth in the booth, trying to predict every play and tell you what's coming and tell you about the coverage and, Oh, he's doing motion so that he can see it's man to man. And my issue is he's doing it with Jim Nance. Who's like one of the greatest broadcasters of all time. And Romo's sitting in the booth next to him talking to Nance. Like he's never watched a fucking football game in his life. You think Nance knows what he's looking at? He's been calling football games for years. Oh, I as, I, as, is, as long as I can remember. This is a strong disagree. This but, is a strong disagree. But dude, I don't think Nance has the first clue. But, but regard regardless of Nance, like it's just it's like nonstop yapping. It's like 
It's like listening to your neighbor's dog that like they left outside in the cold and is hungry and needs to come back inside. That's just like chirp, chirp, chirp. And like, like a little hot dog. Like that's what Romo is in the booth. And like, I get that some of his insights are good, but it, it just doesn't stop. Like, I don't know how much like Adderall that guy takes before he gets in the booth on Sunday. So here's what I'll say. I'll, I'll kind of, I'll kind of massage a little bit of your bone to pick of the week. And, I, and I'll agree with you in some respects. Romo and Nance, like that's the combo I want to hear when I'm like, when there's a game that I've been looking forward to for like a couple weeks or like a big game or a playoff game. And like my day is built around that game. Like I'm buckled in, like the pizza has been ordered. The beer is on ice. I'm sitting on my couch and I am, I, my job is to watch that game. I agree with you to to the extent that Romo is like not a great hungover broadcaster. Like if you have a rough Saturday night and you, and you struggle through the one o'clock games and you're sitting there, maybe you're laying down, it's now four o'clock. It's the first quarter and, and the eyes start to shut. Everyone knows that feeling. You had a few too many pops. It's now, it's now what? Four forty. The eyes start to come down and all you want to do is wake up at halftime and watch the second half. But you're right. Like Romo, Romo will just keep Keep yapping away. He'll wake you right up. Yeah, there's no way you're sleeping watching watching a game called by Tony Romo, but they definitely they they do get the best games of the week. So I'm with you on that. Like, but it's it's just week in and week out of you know cover two, and this is a cover one and a cover three shell, and watch that Mike linebacker, and he's pointing at the mic. He's pointing at the mic, Jim. He's pointing at the mic. Like, all right, man. Like. I'm just sitting here trying to relax and, and enjoy the game. If you if you want to give me an all twenty two breakdown, put it on your personal page and, and let those that are interested like check it out because nobody's getting that sitting there hungover eating pizza, laying on their ass on Sunday afternoon. <laughs> I love it. But anything else on the NFL this week? No, I mean I just. The only thing, other thing I had to say, and I don't, I don't mean to kill this guy. It's bye week, but did you watch the Sunday night game with uh, the Bears Packers? I watched a lot of it. Yeah. So the Bears got this little guy back there returning kicks, and he's, you know, fields it on his own five, and you know, ends up returning a 97-yard punt return. I mean, shows a burst of speed. And I, I, you just, just look around the league, flip any game on, and you look at the types of contributions that these teams are getting from their kick their kick return and their punt return teams. And it, it's just so bad what happens in Philadelphia. So bad. And that's all I had to say. You just watch it. It's like watching a different sport. Don't even have to say his name. No need to. I hear you. Well, look forward to the Eagles at or Washington coming to the link to play the Eagles on Sunday. One o'clock kickoff think so. One o'clock, Eagles minus five. Big game to stay in the hunt here. Who do you think? Now, my question is, you're going to be at home, right? You'll be watching it on TV? Uh, I'm actually going to a friend's house to uh, to congregate with some people. and. Oh, good. Hopefully they don't have the commentary turned up. Who do you think it's going to be? Is it going to be Adam Amon and, and Mark Schlereth? I guess I don't know if it's a Fox or if it's a uh, a CBS. I know we had we had Burkhardt and, and Greg Olson for that that Dallas Washington game on Sunday, but it, it, it's not going to be the A squad. So it's, it's a one o'clock game between two six and seven teams. There's no shot we're getting getting an A squad on that. Ugh. But get down there, bomb. Get get some uh, get some grease in you and, and and cheer us in. All right. And you don't have to worry about that. Love it. Well, we'll we'll transition now. Uh, you know, we're in we're in this little bit of a lull, like a three week lull between conference championship weekend and bowl season, but it has certainly been eventful. And you look at some of the more recent moves in the last week. Um, you've got Mario Cristobal, former head coach of Oregon, going back to the U to Miami to be the head coach of the Hurricanes where he played his college ball. And Miami's former head coach, Manny Diaz, hired by CJF. 
I'm going to have to go back and cut out the C. Hired by JF to be the defensive coordinator and replace Brent Pry in Happy Valley. Bob, your thoughts. Well, you know, you know, the old, uh, the old Dickens, is it Dickens? Dickens book, uh, Tale of Two Cities. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. You look at everything every other team has done to upgrade their, their uh, staff. In fact, I, I'd like to compare and contrast Miami and Penn State. Not that I'm a crystal ball guy. In fact, I think crystal ball's a bum. I think he's a fraud. But Miami goes out there and spends oodles and oodles of money to get rid of Diaz. And they go out and they spend 10 years, 80 million on Cristobal. And whereas Penn State a couple of weeks ago just re-ups JF, your boy JF. And then it's like, yeah, we'll just take the scraps of Miami's like, you know, bum head coach who couldn't win shit. And I get like Diaz is more of a, uh, you know, he obviously is a style defensive coordinator. But like, let's not forget he was the Temple head coach for three weeks. Like that's who Penn State's bringing in to coach up the team. So, you know, you just look at everything every other team wants to do. They're they're out there. They're making waves, you know, whether whether it works or whether it doesn't work. You got to give these colleges the 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 respect, which is to say that that they when they recognize you're not going to win, they just pay a ton of money and go find another guy. Now, that that next guy. He's going to stink, too, like crystal balls a bum. But I mean, I think, you know. They they clearly realized something had to change. So, you know, you you compare and contrast that with Penn State, and it's just it's disgusting. And then you got and then you got these people on Instagram and Twitter. You see this, Manny Valley. Manny Valley. I'm shaking my fucking head right Yo, now. Yo, bring the turnover chain up, dude. Come on, man. I saw something like the the paternover chain. That's 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 what these hawks are saying. There were people on Instagram asking questions, like basically saying, like, well, was Ma- was Manny the guy who they were like, did he he invented the tr- turnover chain? Right. Like dead serious. They were wondering if, like, he had the intellectual property. He had the patent on the turnover chain because they want to bring it to Beaver Stadium. I mean, this fan base's priorities are so, so off, so upsetting, so disgusting as a taxpayer, as a resident of Pennsylvania, as a guy, I don't even, I can't even root for Penn State, but here I am contributing. And I look at it and I go, this is, this is, this is sick. This is disgusting. Yeah. I think for me, the the jury's out, like got to give the guy a fair shake. And I know Penn State was looking at Elijah Robinson. He's coaching defensive line down at A&M, played for Penn State. Um, You know, young, energetic guy, apparently a great recruiter now. Everybody's saying, oh, man, he's a great recruiter and, and all this stuff. Um, you know, I'm not going to make too much of a judgment on the hire. He was pretty garbage as a head coach at the U. He's had some some good years, uh, you know, notably, I think it was his last year with Texas. Or no, it wasn't his last year with Texas. It was his last year as D coordinator, I think, with Miami. And they had like a top 15 or top 10 defense in all, all these categories. But they're playing in the ACC. Um but regardless, everybody talks about recruit this, recruit that, and you you can bring in as, as, as many guys as you want, but if you can't develop them and, and put them in the right position to, to be the best that they can be, then what does it matter? And, you know, that, that argument for me right now is glowing brighter than ever when you look at the Dallas Cowboys and Micah Parsons. I mean, Greg Olson said it Sunday on the broadcast. This obviously this guy's defensive rookie of the year. He's saying it, it's pretty obvious to him that Micah Parsons is defensive player of the year in the NFL as a rookie. Would be the first time since Lawrence Taylor, obviously legend, Hall of Famer, but like and Micah Parsons is playing on the edge, rushing the passer at will for the Dallas Cowboys. Whereas at Penn State, he's, I think he started on the outside at linebacker and then moved to the middle and, and sat out that last year, the COVID year, but Sure, he was effective as a linebacker, but I mean, this guy is in the NFL wreaking havoc as a pass rusher. And it comes back to the arguments I get in on social media with these Penn State Hawks who think that success in the NFL means that James Franklin is good at developing talent. That's not what that means. Like these guys who are Penn State fans would rather a guy 
not do shit for Penn State, but then go on to be a great pro. Look at Owa. I mean, the guy didn't. The guy. The guy, the guy didn't record a sack in his final year at at, at Penn State, but he's out there where he can hack havoc for the Ravens. I'll give you an example. You mentioned Parsons, right? <clears throat> uh, 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 the 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 rookie record for sacks is the freak, Javon Curse, 14 and a half sacks. Parsons has four games left. He now has 12. Keep in mind, he wasn't even playing DN for most of the year. They had some injuries on the on the line, and all of a sudden they put him at DN. He's rushing, and and he's like, uh, you know, God's gift to to uh, you know to uh, to D lineman ever. Like it's unbelievable. You look at uh, his tackles for loss. He's got 75 tackles. 17 of them are for loss. The rookie record there is 23 tackles for loss. That mark has stood since 2001. The only defenders who have ever had more tackles for loss as rookies than Micah Parsons is Aaron Donald, Dwight Freeney, Von Miller, and Levante David. Those guys are pretty good. So the the theme here is Parsons comes up to the line of scrimmage and he's playing in the backfield. And what did James Franklin have him doing? He was either in the middle or he was the will linebacker and he was going sideline to sideline. What the fuck is that? Yeah, Parsons, Parsons made his head at Penn State going east-west and chasing down running backs out of the backfield and stuff like that. But there was even a play, and, and I really only watched the first half because that game was a blowout early and I kind of lost interest. But there was a play where Heineke was trying to float one through a zone, like an intermediate route, and it got tipped. And, and who's there almost catching the ball? It's Parsons. Like, this guy is just all over the place, and, and he can do it all. And sure, he was a great linebacker at Penn State, but like there were there was no there was no variety to to what they really did with them, and it, it just makes you think back to how they everybody wants to talk about recruiting and how that's going to turn Penn State around and get them right. It just doesn't it doesn't matter. You 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 can't you can't win unless you put these guys in their ultimate position. Yeah, and and the thing is, is that Penn State has had a lot of success in recent years in terms of de- putting guys in the pros and having guys play pretty well in the pros. You look at Godwin. Um, hell, I mean, last play of the game, Pittsburgh's going to to uh, Firemuth, right? Um, so it's not Penn State's issues aren't due to a lack of talent. Like clearly, they they have guys in their program that are going to go on to be solid pros. But it takes a professional coaching staff to put these guys in the right situation to succeed. And that is not what's happening in Happy Valley. And to belabor that point, I want I want to mention this. You're bringing in this kid, Aller, who's the number one recruit at the quarterback position, supposedly, whatever recruiting service James Franklin pays for that hypes these guys up. But he's supposedly the number one quarterback. And then you see the bullshit on Instagram. Then you see it. Okay, this kid Aller's coming in. What do you see, G? Tell the people what we saw. Yeah, I think it was late last week or maybe maybe just at the beginning of the weekend. Penn State quarterback Sean Clifford will be back as a 24-year-old for his sixth season in the program to lead the Nittany Lions in 2022. So ask yourself this. This guy puts a big, oh, there's nothing I could, I'd love, you know, I'm a nitty, this and that. You're the head coach. What more do you need to see from this guy? I tell him, listen, pal, go play for Florida International. It ain't going to be here. We got Aller coming in. He's starting from day one. Why in the world would you put out a press release, a big thing on Instagram, saying I'm, com- I'm coming back? For what? Yeah, it was like the Michael Jordan letter, like I'm back. I mean, just just pathetic. And like you look, so the head coach has how many scholarships and how many guys on a roster, and he decided after watching this kid for how many how many of the past years that we're going to continue with Clifford. Hell, I saw more out of that kid Velo. I saw more out of him in the game that he played. Can't you go with him and the other kid Aller next year and try to figure out what you have? I don't need to see another year of Sean Clifford. Go freaking pump your bullshit quarterback training application elsewhere. We don't want to see it. No, I don't. I don't want to see it either. And, and 
even even if you didn't start Aller day one and, and you went with Valu or Valo, Valu, however you say his name, like I'd be all right with that just because it's something new. And and if he pops, then great. And and Aller red shirts and learns and everything like that. But no, 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 it's got to be Aller. I, I don't want to. I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear. Oh, if Aller red shirts, oh Aller Aller can sit. Why? He's the number one guy. Can he play or can he not play? I don't know, but I mean, you look at some of these other programs. I mean, the big time programs like Ohio State, they always have a lot of quarterbacks. They're not Ohio State. I'm not. Sa- I'm not saying we're Ohio State, but I'm saying you don't have to throw this kid into the fold day one. No, I think you do. I think you have to, because Aller is a five supposedly five star number one quarterback. He's got to start day one, because then the clock starts for him. So then you can go out and recruit the class of 2023 kid. And bring him in after Aller, you see. So by him redshirting, it just delays. If James Franklin can coach these guys up, he's such a great recruiter. Let's see what he can do in terms of developing a young quarterback. I just don't know why you can't play this kid day one. I don't know either. I mean, we're we're gonna we're not gonna see now because Clifford's coming back. But no, you. That's what. That's the whole thing. I mean, that is so preposterous. That is so unbelievable that this guy is like afforded a roster spot. You know what I mean? Like, like whether you want to start Valu or Valo or whoever, but like the idea that Sean, after everything he's done, is afforded a roster spot. Like he must have went into James Franklin's office. Let me tell you how the conversation went. He went into James Franklin's office, and he showed James a picture of Kenny Pickett, and he said, "James, look at what he was able to do with an extra year." And you heard it here from Bomb first preseason. I talked about Pickett. I talked about Pitt and the over. I talked about Pitt being a team to watch for this year. I talked about Kenny Pickett being a super senior. Guess what? Next August, when you ask me who do I like, the over, super senior, it ain't going to be Sean Clifford. They're two different guys. Pickett has played for years. The guy has gotten better every year. Clifford has gotten worse every year. I don't want to see anymore. It's hard to say if he, if he got worse this year. I mean, he didn't get significantly better for a guy that's that's been in a program for so long. But I think back to my point about, about Aller, like I'm just saying you look you look at these other blue bloods, like and when when the when the torch is passed to the next QB, it's not it's not always the the five star true freshman. Like these guys sit out. Like I think I, I believe Stroud this year was a redshirt freshman. Um so I mean I'm I'm just saying a little time can't hurt. I think I think it's separate for me where it's like Aller can redshirt. And Clifford can't come back. Like I, that's two separate things for me. That's fair, but you you realize what what he's doing here. Like this is this is the this is what um, NFL GMs do is they'll draft a young quarterback. Like look look at what Chicago did this year. Like you got a head coach and you got a GM that are on the hot seat, so they draft a young hot quarterback. They go out and get Fields, but they won't name him the day one starter. Because what they want to be able to do, and it didn't work this year because Dalton got injured and they had all these issues. But what they want to be able to do is turn around and at the end of the year, they were able to say, well, we started nine games with Andy Dalton, who we know stinks. And Fields started eight games and he looked decent and we're going to continue to grow him in our system. And that's what James Franklin is selling everybody. He's going to go out there and say, hey, guess what? We got the number one guy. At the end of next year, when they win seven games, everyone will be like, well, Clifford's gone. Next year's Aller. Yeah, job security is what is what you're getting at. A hundred percent. That's yeah. selling everybody a bad bill bill of goods. Nah, for sure. I, I I can see that if things don't go well next year, which I, I don't foresee them going very well. You know, they, they recruit all these these guys and singleton and skill guys and defense, but who who's blocking for these guys? Because that's what it ultimately comes down to. And I, I see the point. He's he's going to have that in his back pocket when they go seven and five again next year. And what happens if the offense looks bad and they go seven and five? So let, let's let's say let's just let's just play this out. Let's say there's no creativity. The offense looks pathetic. Wouldn't you turn your head towards the 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 OC Yursich? You would have to. You can't because apparently Aller would leave if he left. Yeah, he, Aller's his guy. So this is this is the problem. It's it's Ohio State, Alabama. They can afford to ha- to redshirt guys because it's part of a broader system, a winning culture. Guys will sit. In fact, look at McCord. 
he's willing to just sit on the bench and wait his turn because he knows how much of a bozo James Franklin is. He'd rather go sit under Ryan Day and watch and wait and, you know, play mop-up time against Akron or maybe get a spot start here or there. But Penn State does not have that, doesn't have that luxury. They have to start this kid day one. Even look at Quinn Ewers or whatever his name is, that kid from Texas. He was the number one QB in the 21 class, and Ohio State had the luxury to redshirt him, not play him. He's going back to Texas, and Ohio State won't even skip a beat. Well, and, and also look at what Texas is going to do with him. Do you think that kid's going to gonna sit? Absolutely not. No, he'll start day one. And, in fact, he, he would have been – he would have been graduating this coming spring. He reclassified, grabbed the bag from the NIL deals, and now is going to Texas. And basically will be starting in the exact same season that he would have been had he not reclassified. So, you know, but Steve Sarkeesian looks at him and he's he's not saying, well, you know, let's let's uh, let's bring him along. Let's let's start. Hey, can we bring back Sam Ellinger for another year? Twenty five year old Sam Ellinger. No, come on. You're kind of convincing me as as we go through this bomb that Aller's got to go day one. Just, day one. Just, just give him the nod. I mean, enroll in January, which I believe he is. Name him the starter in spring ball. Give him all the first team reps and and let's go. Yeah, and Clifford could it'll free Clifford up to do the the sandwich deals with McClanahan's and and uh, and and another State Farm uh, advertisement with Dr Pepper tuition reimbursement. And his his uh, quarterback uh, iPhone app, you know, you got to spread around the responsibilities of being the face of Penn State football. So give all that bullshit to Clifford and then just let Aller focus on playing. I'm with you. I would say I'm excited, but I just know that it's not going to be handled correctly by by this coaching staff and specifically the guy, the guy at the helm. Anything else on uh, the the carousel or uh, the, the little lull here in in college football, Bob? Nah, excited for bowl season. Excited for the semis and the natty. And uh, yeah, just looking forward. You know, we talked about the carousel. The one guy we didn't hear from is Fickle. He's focused on Bama, baby. He's focused on doing the job, and that's what I like. That's what I like to see. If I'm a team like, dare I say it, Penn State. Can you can you get out of that contract at, at the end of next year and go get a guy like Luke Fickle? I wouldn't hate it. I mean, that's got to be the move. I mean, can we get out of it now? Can we just can we hire him now? <laughs> well, I think he wants to finish the job. That's the thing. I like guys that want to finish the job. This guy's not darting for LSU. He's not say he wants to finish the job. I like that. Well, let's let's hope that that they do and and he does because. It's going to be tough. It's an uphill battle playing the tide, but we, we've seen enough of the tide for now. I mean, if, if, if God forbid Cincinnati wins the national championship, I mean, I'm just going to throw that out there. Like if they happen to win the national championship, or even if they happen to beat Bama and lose in the natty, how stupid do all these other colleges look throwing money at all these retread coaches and everything else, and you got Fickle sitting there at Cincinnati. Every other coach thought, oh, we need new facilities. We need to keep up with all these programs and this and that. Meanwhile, Fickle just goes out there, coaches up the boys, gets them to develop in the program, and, um, man, that w- I would love to see just people's heads just totally explode if, if, a, if a program like Cincinnati just crashes the party and, and wins it. That would be so dope. Well, we'll look forward to it, and we are looking forward to it, especially because we've got the inaugural Thoughts from the Shade College Football Bowl Pick and Pool. It's live. We've got some entrance. Uh, we've got a link on the Instagram page for everybody to sign up. So go click that, get in there, see if you can pick games better than I can. I gave out another loser on Saturday uh, with the Army Black Knights. 17-13 win by Navy in the Army-Navy game on Saturday at MetLife. Um, I mean, I mean, what a spectacle that always is, regardless of the quality of the football. Um, just so awesome to watch all the pregame stuff, the flyovers. Um, but, yeah, join up. Pick some games with me and Bomb. We'll, we'll, see, uh, we'll see who comes out on top. And 
you got to get in by Friday. This Friday, the 17th, kicks off bowl season. We've got a noon game on Friday, the Bahamas Bowl. Middle Tennessee State in Toledo. I believe the Maniac gave you Toledo last week if you want to ride with him. And Friday night at 6 in the Cure Bowl. We've got Northern Illinois and Coastal Carolina. So just a reminder for everybody out there, if you haven't gotten in yet, the link is on the Instagram. There's a nice little app um, that you can download on iOS, whatever your iOS device is, to get your picks in, view the standings, and uh, and just enjoy the bowl season a little more with Bomb and I. So looking forward to that. Should be fun. Should we take it to the ice, Bomb? Let's take it to the ice. We're moving along kind of quick. Um, bye week. We looked forward. Um, hopefully the Flyers are looking forward because it's been a mess, but you know what? They went out west over the weekend and got, got two wins. If they get one more Tuesday against the Devils, it'll be a streak. It'll be a winning streak. Um, but Monday last Monday night as we were recording, the Flyers were playing Colorado at home. They lost that game 7-5. That was the first game of the Mike Yo era in Philly, and then Wednesday night, my God. I mean, it's a shame that that the Flyers, like, aren't on a West Coast trip. I mean, they were this past weekend, but I'm saying Wednesday night, the way that they played, like, that would have been perfect for a 10 o'clock start because that game could have put you to sleep. Like, maybe even if Tony Romo was on the call of Flyers-Devils last Wednesday, you would have been able to to fall asleep because – the players were sleeping. They were sleepwalking through the Prudential Center and lost 3 nothing to the Devils. Um, so, so two losses in a row to start for Mike Yo. Up to the losing streak to 10 games. Uh, and then the Flyers flew out west and played the Vegas Golden Knights Friday night. Uh, went into the third period, tied at two. Came out with a dub, 4-3 to three in regulation. Uh, and then Saturday night on the back-to-back, they played the five-win Arizona Coyotes and won that game five to three. So that they got two in a row. Still, still not, uh, still not completely convinced with, with the on-ice product and uh, some of the issues that they've been having. But it's got to start somewhere. So they are at the moment six games out in the wild card, and they play New Jersey again at home tomorrow, Tuesday night. Um, just looking at the schedule here to see what the rest of the week holds for the orange and black. We've got Jersey on Tuesday, Thursday night. They're at Montreal and Saturday against Ottawa. So, I mean, as bad as they've been, it's three winnable games. New Jersey's not great. Montreal's really bad this year. And I, I believe Ottawa's towards the bottom of the standings as well. So, can they get hot? Can can they get something going here and, and, and suck us back in? I mean, I called for an atomic bomb on the franchise last week, but there's there's a lot of hockey to go and, and I need I need something, especially come February when football is done. Can I say it? What are you gonna say? They got everything in front of them. They got everything in front of them. They got everything in front of them. All fifty six games in front of them. I mean, what's your take, Bob? The Flyers never play well before January. Like, I think historic. Like, it just strikes me as every year I try to get into it in October. Like, I'm not the guy who's going to watch 70, 75 games like you. But, like, early in the season every year, I I say to myself in the summer, hey, you know what I want to do this year? I want to watch more Flyers games. This will be, like, August, September. The Phillies will stink. And I'll, you know what? Screw the Phillies. I want to be a Flyers guy this year. And every single year, October comes around, November comes around, and I watch these games, and I think to myself, why do I watch this? And I just stop watching. There's no reason to turn on the game until – turn on Flyers until, like, after the Winter Classic. Like, that's when, in my humble opinion, I sh- – you know – myself or other like fans who are not huge, huge hockey guys should start tuning in. So, I mean, it's early in the season. They could go on a run. They could win, you know, two out of every three games from this point forward. Stranger things have happened. It all comes down to how they're playing in front of Hart and how Hart plays. So 
Yeah, we'll we'll see. Um, but like you said, I mean, you need to. Gosh, you, after football, there's nothing to watch. There's nothing to do. There's nothing to watch. How great would it be to get in there for like a March matinee and then go down to the to the center and watch the Flyers take on like the Bruins or something? You know what I mean? Like, like that's good if they're going well. Like that's what you want to see. But I suspect what will end up happening is we'll be in the dead of winter after the Super Bowl, and we'll just have to survive till March Madness because I, I don't see the Flyers turning this around. They'll be around 500 all year, but they won't they won't meaningfully make a push. Yeah, I think that unless they really start to get right, you know, th- this week with with the kind of weak stretch, uh, you know, this week that that we mentioned, I, I think you gotta you gotta try to win all three of those games to to really sell me on being back in. Um, but it, it's a steep climb. Like I know there's a lot of hockey left, but it's a steep climb. There's a lot of good teams in the Metro and, and in the East, and the Flyers have just been royally bad and, and you're right. They're always bad before Christmas, before the new year. Um, but only a handful of games left before 2022. So if they can, uh, get something going a little bit earlier and then, and then keep it going in the new year, we, we might have something or else we'll be, uh, we'll be hanging on for the three weeks. That is March madness after the Super Bowl. So I got a, I got a question for you related to the flyers and it came up in a group chat this week. Um, I mean, when when we talked about this era of Flyers hockey and kind of how inept it's been over the past decade and this, this uh, you know, wash, rinse, repeat of, you know, getting coaches fired, there's been one guy, right, that, that's been kind of the, the stalwart. Um, Claude Giroux, he's got the C on the sweater. Um you know, I've never, I've never really thought of Giroux as a guy that, because he's a hockey guy. Like I, I never really thought of him as a me guy. You know, he's got the young family. Some, some have said, does he remind you of Wentz? I can't go there. I can't, I can't go there, because Giroux, you know, you could tell when he's at work, he's at work. Okay, he's not talking about the family and the kids, and the dog and this and that. So, but people did say like. This idea where you can constantly every other year get your coach canned for all these losing streaks, is that not an indictment of leadership in the locker room? And you look at the guy with the C and you look at a guy like Coots and they're soft spoken guys. They're not really high skill guys. It's not like they're gonna go out there and like back up back up their words with their play. Like they're not going to, they're not going to give a speech in the locker room, fire everybody up and go out and score a hat trick. So you have to ask yourself, you know, is, is the leadership in the locker room missing? And I wanted to get your thoughts on that. Well, I mean, if you look back to, to the summer and Chuck general manager, Chuck Fletcher, uh, after the debacle that was the 2020 or just the 2021 season because it was shortened due to COVID. But, I mean, he said he was going to make moves to to reinvigorate the leadership group and, and adjust the leadership group uh, and, and bring in more veteran guys to, to stop exactly what we've seen happen in the last three weeks with the Flyers. And, and you're right, the only consistent uh, – of this era of wash, rinse, repeat has been Claude Giroux and, and Sean Couturier to a lesser extent. Um, I think it's a fair question at this point. I mean, I'm a Giroux guy. I've said it before. You know, you never forget he scored the OT winner in game three against the Blackhawks in the cup final. He had the amazing run uh, or series against the Penguins and the shift when he laid out Crosby and scored the goal. Like, that shit will always stick with you. But never won anything and what and, year was that g yeah it was 2012 and and you haven't seen anything like that in years that's yeah that's the point that i'm getting to like it's been 10 years since since you've seen any of that stuff and it, as a fan and and maybe as, as a honk i'll say it, that i'm a honk but it, it's it's certainly a fair question at this point and I mean, personally, as much as it, it would hurt to see him go and not finish his career as a flyer and, and win a cup as a flyer, 
which uh, certainly looks like a long shot at this point. Um, I mean, if, if they're not back in a wild card spot in a division playoff spot or, you know, within striking distance come the trade deadline, you have to trade them. Yeah. I mean, if anything, to infuse some new, not that you're going to get a ton for them, but to infuse some new leadership in the locker room. So just to give you maybe a, a frame of reference, that shift in 2012, that was pre, pre-captainship. Um, he was selected 22nd overall in 2006. He's been the team captain since January of 2013, and he's the longest tenured captain in team history. Um, the thing that, that is interesting for me is I'm not so sure he has the skill and the requisite leadership to still be recognized as captain. So, like, did he look at his international play too? Because, like, let's let's just like not even like look at the Flyers. I don't think he's been on Team Canada for like the last two or three Olympics. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, so, what is it? Twenty-two will be the Olympics, so like eighteen, fourteen, and ten. Yeah, so eighteen definitely not. Fourteen was Sochi. Ten was the year they won, I think, against USA. Right. Wasn't that up in where was that Vancouver? Yeah, I don't know for sure. But I don't think he's been on Team Canada since 2010. So. And even when he was on Canada, he wasn't like he was like a bottom of the lineup guy on Canada. What do you mean? That's the cream of the crop uh, in the world of hockey team, Canada Olympic team. But. The point still stands that. He was never. Never the best of the best or the elite of the elite. I, I get that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So then, you know, you got to over-index on leadership if you're not like a the, the elite of the elite. And I just, I'm just not seeing it from how the team performs. Like, I guess he be, he was named captain what after, after Richards went? Yeah, so I think the year – so they – they lost in the cup final in 2010. The next year they got swept by the Bruins in the second round and the Bruins went on to win that cup and the Flyers traded Richards and Carter that summer, you know, brought in uh, Simmons and Chen and got the draft pick that brought in Sean Couturier. And then they played that season 11, uh, 12 without a captain. There was the lockout and the next season started in January of 13 and they named Drew captain like right at the beginning of that season. I remember they had like an open practice to the fans at Wells Fargo Center. And, you know, Drew gave like a little a little spiel there as he accepted the captaincy. But I'm like also thinking to myself now, like, and he he still holds holds his responsibility wearing the sea. But like was Flyers' leadership and management at the time like wrong to give him the C? Like, did he want the C? I mean, it's a fair question. I mean, who who would you have given it to? Yager? Yeah. <laughs> no, seriously. I mean, th- there wasn't really anybody to, at that point. I mean, Kimo Timonen, he was at the end of his career. They obviously wanted to give it to a guy that would be around for a while. I think Drew, that was right around when he inked his 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 big deal is a year deal that, that comes to an end at the end of this season. Um, so I get the thinking there, but like maybe some guys just aren't cut out for it and, and he's not, I, I don't really know. But even though he's not, you know, the, the, the top five or top 10 player, I mean, he, the production has been there. I mean, I, I don't know where it's at to this day, but he's, I know he's top three or top five, or I don't know if he's first. That might that might be a stretch, um, but but he's near the top of the league in like power play points in like the last decade, maybe a little less than the decade. So like there has been some production there, um, but no, you, you you can't go you can't go Wentz on this guy. Like you can see that he's pissed off when they blow. He's breaking sticks and screaming and slamming the bench shut. I mean, does that does that turn the ship around? No, but it's it's not Wentz level. 
I don't know if this is correct, but I'm on hockey. Ref- I'm on hockey reference, and I don't even see him on the 2010 roster for Team Canada. No, he. I don't think he was on 2010. Cause that that was his. Uh, I think that was his first full year. 2010, they went to the cup. I think he was on 2014, and he might have been like an extra or like a fourth liner. Yeah, he's he's not on the. Maybe he was a reserve, but he's not. He's not on what they call the roster. Um, so you have a guy who who has the C. Who's not one of the top players in his country, and I get it's Canada, but, I mean, look at uh. Look at the 2010 Men's Olympics. Um, Mike Richards played on that team. Uh, you know, the names are just un- unbelievable. Crosby, Dowdy, Getzlav, Iginla, Duncan Keith. Like, Flyers don't have any of these guys. No, not even close. Um, and in that 2010 team, you look at Canada, they had Richards and they had did they have Pronger that year? Because Pronger was on the Pronger was on the Canadian team. Yeah, I don't know if he was that year. So I think that that's my that's my takeaway. I think Chuck Fletcher, whatever he does, he should just try to find guys that are on Team Canada. I mean that was that would certainly work. I mean they but they don't grow on trees and they're not cheap and it's the cap era and. You know, I went on last week about how we've got these these guys underperforming, tied up to big deals for for years to come. Um, and you you mentioned we talked about trading Giroux at the deadline if the Flyers aren't back in it. And you said they might not get a lot if if they're going to uh, trade Claude Giroux at, at the deadline if they're out of it. They'll 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 get a substantial return. I mean, that's like. People were so mad at this 10-game losing streak that, you know, they want to trade them now and start the blow up now. But teams are, aren't are going to be as desperate right now to make moves because they're, it's still early enough where maybe a middle-of-the-pack team's feeling it out or, you know, teams that are at the top of the league right now are feeling good about what they have. But, like, when the deadline comes and the push of the playoffs are on, like, that'll be the time when the market, market – is hottest and teams will pay the highest price. So what is, what is a high price in, in the world of hockey? Is that, is that prospects? Is that draft capital? Is that cap relief? Is that, you know, veterans on team friendly deals? What, what is that? I mean, if you trade a guy like Drew, I don't think you're getting any, any veterans. I mean, you might get an NHL player and, and a prospect and a pick. Um, but I mean, he's having—he's not having a bad year this year. I, I think he's just under a point a game. So, and if he he keeps playing at that rate, and, and the Flyers aren't winning, and, and they trade him, I mean, you got to be looking looking for a first and a pretty good prospect at least, I would think. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I I, I don't know what Chuck Fletcher's doing. I just think I solved the Philadelphia Flyers. Find just guys that are playing team for Canada. Team Canada. That's right. I mean, think about it. It's like what we asked Howie Roseman to do. Like how we, all Howie has to do when he drafts guys, just turn on the semis and the natty and just and literally just pick off those teams. Yeah, if only it was that easy. I mean, <laughs> I think it's a little easier for football. Um, you know, given the volume of the draft and you know how how different the tiers of the college football programs are it's easy to see where the where the best talent is but hockey i mean some of these guys are like lottery tickets you get you get even even when you get high picks you just you just don't know and in philadelphia we usually don't don't hit the big one on them so bad anything else on the flyers no no nothing all right, well, we'll look forward to Tuesday night. Flyers take on New Jersey at home. We'll look forward to Sunday. The Eagles take on Washington at home. We'll look forward to seeing everybody in the inaugural Thoughts from the Shade Bowl. Pick them. Get in and play with us. It'll be fun. You'll probably beat me. Um, any closing thoughts? No, nah, I mean, this is uh fun time of year. 
college football bowl season, December NFL, meaningful football. I'm excited. You're excited. Let's enjoy it. Let's soak it in because uh, once football's over, we're dealing with the Flyers. And it ain't a pretty picture right now. All right, well, that's that's all we got for this week. Um, big shout out to Shamrock Sun and Menard Premium Detailing, as always, our sponsors. Um, yeah, that's a wrap. Have a good week, everybody. Yeah.